I was training like I would have played on Saturday and I think that kind of rubbed up a few feathers the wrong way because I was just going 100 miles an hour, tackling people, firing into tackles and stuff and just the way I was as a young lad, full hearted. And Just before we get to the chat with Chris Hegarty, please remember to go to Twitter, Instagram, search up the podcast and follow. If you missed the podcast with Aidan Wilson, that's Chris's current centre-back partner at Crusaders Football Club, also former Rangers player, it's available. Also, the podcast with Steve Zaccani, ex-Arsenal Seattle Sounders player, is available. And the upcoming podcast with Craig McLean will be coming mid-February. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Now, let's get to the chat with Chris Hegarty. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host. I'm Darren Potts. I'm here with a defender, a football player, and someone I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. He plays for the team I support. It is Chris Hegarty. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Doc. Chris, we've been trying to sort of do this for a while, and we've sort of been trying to lock down a date. I'm delighted to get you here. Very bad use of the word lockdown for me, given everything that's going on, but um, but we'll start right there. How, How have you handled the lockdown and how are you finding it so far? Um, it hasn't been too bad um, because, you know, just I think from the first lockdown, we learned a lot from it. So I just tried to keep myself busy, to be honest with you, and keep a fitness up. Um, I think our mindset's a wee bit better. Obviously, the weather's not as great, like, but look, we're just rolling with the punches at the minute and it hasn't been too bad. The, the missus, she's still out working, so uh, we're not looking at each other 24-7, so it hasn't been too bad at the minute. That's always good when you're not feeling the, you know, the strain and maybe the mental strain of everything that's going on. But we're here to talk about your football career. And I want to talk about growing up, you know, you're playing at Dungannon, you moved to Millwall and Rangers. Talk to me about that time period in your life. Obviously, uh, I grew up through Dungannon United Youth with uh, Joe McAree and Rodney McAree. Dixie Robinson took me um, since there was no age. Um, my brother played for Dungannon United Youth and since I was four or five years old, I just followed him everywhere and just loved it. Loved football, loved carrying the water bottles for his team whenever I was six, seven, eight, nine years old and just uh, loved everything about it. Then uh, I suppose whenever you get to 12, 13, it kind of gets a wee bit more serious for yourself. So, um, no, it's just, I went to the Milk Cup and uh, with Tyrone and next thing you know, you get a call into the Northern Ireland Schoolboys through Desi Curry, and uh, that was great. And uh, we played obviously in the Victory Shield and stuff like that. And it was actually the last, I got a couple of wee trials and stuff with the likes of Tranmere and Leicester. Um, There's a couple of other wee clubs floating in and about, but I played a game against Belgium. It was the last game for the under 16s, I think it was at the time. And uh, I just I played out of my skin, got man a match in the middle wall scout was there that day. He was actually watching um a fellow Wayne Drummond, goalkeeper, um from it'd be East Belfast direction, big win. And he j- he just offered my mum and dad were there and he pulled us into the wee room after and he just offered a contract there and then and he spoke to me, he says, uh, our youth team managers, Scott Fitzgerald. 
an ex centre half, played for um, Wimbledon. At uh, the time, they're in the Premier League, and our reserve team coaches Richard Shaw played for Coventry, another centre half. So, to be honest, it just it felt right from day one, just learning ways and the experience that you could get off them guys. So, um, Millwall was a great move for me. To be honest, I really, really enjoyed my time there. The first three months was hard. Picked up a couple of in- injuries, and you know yourself, sixteen-year-old lad, um, just left home into London it's twice to say, or not twice. A hundred times the size of Dungan. Um, and just uh, it was just great, you know, after after the first initial three months. Um, like I remember going in one of my first days in training and we were doing one V ones. Uh, and in the youth team you have like you're under sixteens and then it'd be like under seventeens, but they're all in the one age group. So the captain was obviously one of under seventeens and I ended up in a one V one with him. And it was kinda like uh, you know, your paddy and all this here, and it wasn't as strong and as big as them boys. I've obviously been in the system a lot longer, going to the gym and stuff like that. But uh, I have ended up one v one or in a one v one possession drill with him, and I just emptied them. And I think from then you get a wee bit of respect from the, the English lads because they're just uh, kind of looking down their nose at you. So from there on, I just I built my way up through. The kind of the ranks, you know, was probably fourth choice, fifth choice, maybe centre half. And uh, going into after the Christmas period, I ended up starting. And then the next season, the, the youth team manager made me youth team captain. And it was a great learning curve because you're, you were cleaning the boots and doing all the jobs around the, the training ground. And even power hosing the, the car park, the, cleaning out the first team dress room, the doing ball boy on Saturday and staying behind in the dressing room. So, you know, Millwall was a very, very uh, good learning curve for myself and really enjoyed it and bitterly disappointed in the end because we went and uh, I captained the team to win in the youth league for the first time in I don't know how many years. You know, we, we had a decent side and uh, the club had just no money to... Uh, keep on, hold any players. I think the saying out of... The squad, the same one player, striker, John Marcus, who's still, I think he's playing for uh, Portsmouth at the minute, maybe. He was at Doncaster, he scored a few goals for Doncaster, and then, but then 11 of the players moved on and same pro contracts elsewhere. So, you know, it was great. Bill was a great time, you know. Obviously, great time. You know, you're speaking off it, you know, so, so well and so fondly. That time, obviously, was tough to leave Millwall, given, obviously, your experience there that you've just spoke about. But then the move to Glasgow Rangers. So you went from London to Glasgow, two of the big, big cities in the UK from a Dungannon boy. Um, some start, some journey so far. How was your move to Rangers? Um, what were your sort of first thoughts whenever you sort of got the Ibrox and got involved in that system? Well, to be honest, the, the move came about, um, Scott Fitzgerald, he, put, he actually pulled me in. And uh, as he to do with all youth team lads and says, look, I can't offer you a contract. Club doesn't have any money. I'd love to. He actually turned around and he says, I don't know what I'm doing my job here for because if it was up to me, I'd, I'd have you signed in the morning. I'm, I'm very frustrated, and which is fair enough. And look, I went home and the tears were tripping me and it, it is what it is. I love the place at the time, but I suppose life's all about learning. And uh, again, Wayne Drummond was going up to, to Rangers and on trial 
and Bill Cowan was getting him up there. And to be honest, I don't think that they even knew about me or or anything. But I was going on trial to Hibs, and uh, I done really well at Hibs. And next thing you know, Phil Cowan on the phone looking me to go over to Glasgow. And actually, in between that time from going to Hibs across to Glasgow, I actually met with Celtic. So there was kind of, you know, interest. And I think Rangers kind of says, right, well, this lad's going to sign for one of the team, top teams in, in Scotland. And they basically, I think it was in trial for the week and they offered me a contract. I think it was kind of pushed through because of um, obviously other interest in the clubs. And then Big Wayne uh, ended up signing as well. So um, it was just, you, you couldn't turn it down. It was never any doubt that they had turned Glasgow Rangers down. So, and you were going, you were staying in the youth system as well. It was under 19s up there. So it give you an extra year development, um, which was quite good, you know, for, for moving on. Well, that system, you know, we talked, I talked already with Aidan Wilson, his podcast will be out soon. And the system at Rangers, it's, it's competitive. It's a winning mentality is needed to, to succeed there. What was that like for you coming in from Dungannon and Millwall? And maybe even right back to when you were watching your brother play at 12 years old and you started to take football a bit more serious. Was that winning mentality always there for you at that stage? And it was just a case of then going and getting invested and involved with the youth setup? Um, to, to be honest with you, winning mentality was always there with me. I never, it was always, uh, um, mentality was always do whatever you can to win think you know it wasn't it wasn't until I went to Rangers where I learned more of the technical side of the game you know it was more it was slower than it was in England you know it was a bit more passing the ball about and taking touches and um, it was a bit more you know a European style where I'd say when it was down in England it was more big strong physical put the ball in the channel um, as quick as you can and get up the pitch so it was a, it was a bit of a learning curve for me and to be honest it was strange because I came from Millwall, where the boys were very grounded to um, obviously having to do the boots and stuff like that. They were getting £55 a week to a dressing room of, you know, young lads at uh, 18 and stuff who didn't have to do them jobs and stuff. And they were just, you know, it was more going concentrating your football. So it was, it was a wee bit of a strange move for me. But I think the... Uh, obviously being at Millwall it grounded me as well and I was in the gym every morning I was looking after myself I just had that thing where the other boys in the dressing room didn't have that background you know they didn't have to, to to work as hard they're probably technically better footballers than me and didn't have the hard graft and the, it, it was all learning curves and it was something that I really really enjoyed you know going up and seeing a, a different side of uh, mentality of football and um, what way you know the game can be played, and I think for a learning curve as as young lad, it was a great thing that uh, that happened. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can get much better of a learning curve than being at one of the top clubs in in the UK, and even at, a, at an academy level. You know, when you start looking at these big, huge professional clubs, every one of them probably has a, a functioning, learning, incredible academy, and it's important to go there and take what you can from it. 
but you were at Rangers for four years and you didn't just stay in the academy. You moved into the first team and you were then playing for the first team. So talk to me about that experience. Was it Ali McCoyce was the manager at that time, if my memory serves me correct? Yeah, well, Ali would have been uh, took over from Walter. So my, my first year at the club, Walter would have been the first team manager. And then Ali took over for the next season where I would have moved into the reserve dressing room. So it's kind of like a tiered system. So you go from... Uh, there's there's two sides of the building at at the uh, Murray Park, and so you kind of there's like a youth team dressing rooms, and then you move up into under nineteen dressing room, and then you go into a reserve team dressing room. So obviously your next steps into the first team. So I spent the season in the reserve team dressing room, but you you train a lot more with the first team. So the first team then was the likes of uh, Stephen Davis, um, Sasa Papage, Davy Weir, Lee McCullough, obviously, and Alan McGregor, highly experienced players, Stephen Nesmith. Um, so you were getting a wee taste. You were filtering in and out, filtering in and out. And um, it was great. It was great to be even... You're, you're walking up the corridor and you're going to train with the first team and you're looking at these boys. There's David Healy. You're walking past David Healy and, and you're going, what's going on here? Do you know? So um, it was just an hour road, I suppose, to, you know, the next step. And... Uh, obviously, with Rangers going down and um, the money difficulties that was happening at the time, um, the, the squad lightened, and you so you started breaking into the bench, and you're sitting on the bench. Me and Andrew Mitchell was getting chances and opportunities on the bench, and in the SPL, so it was nice. And then the end of that season, um, Ali pulls us. Pulled, pulled me in for a meeting. He says, look, um, well, well, I want to keep you, but at the at this present minute in time, I can't offer you a new contract. So I was going, what's going on? Like, what, what, what do I do? And Ali just promised me, he says, look, you'll be coming back here. You'll be getting an email to come back for your, your pre-season. Um, and I says, I says, well, what am I going to do about accommodation? Where am I going to stay? He says, Pally says, don't you worry about that. You can stay in my house. You'll just be here. So um, it was just strange times because obviously there was a lot of uh, media and everything just on Rangers at the time. Everything was doom and gloom. And for me, I was looking at it as an opportunity, you know, to, to go and play for for one of the biggest, if not the biggest club in Europe. So it was, it was mental. A strange mindset because you looked at the senior players and they were obviously going, some of them sitting in two, three-year contracts and the club's trying to figure out a way to get rid of them or to move them on or to keep some of them, the likes of Jig and Neil Alexander and Lee Wallace. and It was just a strange place, but for me and the likes of Andy Mitchell and Fraser Erd and Lewis McLeod, it was an opportunity for us to go and uh, play games of football for Rangers. So came back and there was only, I think there was five there in the first day of pre-season training. So it was just, it was a mental, real strange, strange times. But Ali was very, very good with it all and dealing with us. And, you know, he looked after us very, very well. So hats off to him, to be fair. Um, how important was it that, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty around that time and he's like, I don't, I can't offer you a contract, but you're going to get an email and I want you to come back. And 
you're as a young professional, there's obviously a bit of uncertainty there, like here, what's actually going on. But how important was it to you that he made you feel wanted? As a manager, he valued and wanted you as a football player at that club next season. How important was that in your sort of decision-making at that time? There was no there was no doubt in my mind that I was going back there, you know, on it was, I'm guessing, the 15th or something out of June, whatever date it was. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going back. Um, I spoke to my agent, spoke to my mum and dad about it, and it was a no-brainer because... Um, I had no reasons not to trust Ali. Um, at the end of the day, he's Ali McCoy. You're a 19-year-old lad looking up at this absolute hero. Um, and an opportunity that you can't you can't say no to. So it was it was it was a no-brainer for me to go and, and see what happened. And at the end of the day, if I went back and and didn't take that opportunity, I'm sure that um there would have been a, other opportunities elsewhere. But for me my place in mind at that time was just I ain't going back, I ain't coming back here in pre-season. There was still there was still good players. There was Carlos Bocanegra was back. Um there's still you know Lee Wallace was back. There was still big, big players still at the club at that time when we went back. I think Kirk Broadfoot was there as well. And you know, you were still training with some top, top Scottish players. So you it, it was a no brainer. And what was it like playing under Ali? You mentioned there, you know, you look up to him, you know, it's Ali McCoyst, you know, one of the best players that Rangers have ever had. He commands respect at Rangers Football Club just by who he is. But what was he like as a manager to play under? And what was the professionalism and the competition for places like? You know, you mentioned some good quality players there. Um, you ended up, you know, you became a starter and you were playing in the club. But what was that competition for places like and that professionalism and working under Ali McCoyst? I think I think at the start, um, up until the end of the transfer window, we still had quite a few big players um, floating about. Because I remember, I think it was Carlos Bocanegra captained us on the first day away to, I uh, can't remember the name of the club, the heads at the side of the pitch, I remember that. And <laughs> big mass of heads, ball got stuck, big cheer. That's... I can remember, but there were still big players there. So obviously, trying to get into that team was wasn't easy at the start. Like, but you're only 19, 20 years old at the time. Like, so you're still just in awe. Everything going on, you're going right, brilliant. Whatever it is, it is. We'll just keep the heads down and keep working hard. And um, the opportunity came across. Obviously, with players, I think leaving before the transfer window. You know, Ali took all the pressure off us. To be honest, is as the younger players, we still had um, a lot of experience mixed in around us. Um, you know, in the back four, you would have had Lee Wallace and Lee McCullough playing in, in the back four. So for me, it, it was easy enough to play beside because you were, you were there was always communication and there was so experienced at the time that it, it, uh, it helped, you know, and... I think Ali knew what he got from me. It was just a hundred percenter, whatever he needed, because it ended up playing left back, right back, centre back, and um, across maybe twenty odd games that first season or twenty games, whatever it was. And um, so I think he knew what he was getting from me, and it was just a matter of him keeping the pressure off the kids because what was going on in the papers, and um, there was there was more 
pressure on him to be honest we, I don't even know half the stuff he went through um, I'd say he was in meetings all the time and there's times he mightn't have been at the training ground and Kenny McDowell had to take training and stuff he just he kept the pressure off us as kids and you know from the paper and media and he probably took a lot a lot more flack uh, than he needed but that's just the the way the media was in Glasgow at the time you know you couldn't have said boo and somebody had found out about it so he, he was unbelievable and he's so, he's so um, you know just the way he is on, on television um, he's funny and he, he makes light hearted of things at times but he can be very serious and straight when he needs to be so I think at that time he was the perfect man for the job to be honest with you I, I 100% agree. I thought he I thought he was excellent, done really, really well at Rangers. And he, he was sort of incredibly sort of underrated. It was sort of just like, oh, this Rangers team will just bounce up the leagues and that's it. But when you start talking about things that are missing training to be in meetings and protecting the players and the stuff that went on that maybe the public or nobody really knows about, maybe apart from him, it's incredible yeah. to see that maybe the job that he was doing while doing all that because the realistic accept, um, expectation for Rangers those home games with 40,000 people there, they didn't care if it was Scottish League 2 or the SPL. You were playing for Glasgow Rangers and you were expected to win. Yeah, that's it. We, we just had to win every Saturday and, and the manager came in and said this plenty of times. He says, boys, that wasn't nice today, but sometimes that's what you have to do. And we always say that to the young lads. He always said to us that it's not going to be easy at times. You're playing against teams that that's coming to Ibrox and it's a cup final for them. So, and so it was. They just sat in and made it very, very difficult for us. And you might have won one nil or two nil. And the fans obviously wanted you to win six and seven, but like it, it wasn't going to happen like that all the time. And you know we didn't have. It wasn't every week that we had our you know full experienced players out. You might have had six, seven, under twenty ones, under twenty twos starting in the lineup on the Saturday. So we we just had to get through it. And we had to win and that was it it was just get to the stage where we've won the league and let's move on to the next one and he just preached that and he kept preaching it and you know with everything else going on in the background um, that he kept us out of I think I was listening to um, a podcast there recently that you know I think you know he was on the open goal or something was he or and the stuff that he was coming out with that I didn't even know about, you know, the meetings and things going on behind people's backs and, and ringing uh, your man white and stuff. And you're just going, I didn't even know half that. He just had me fully focused on getting ready for a game on a Saturday. And that's a uh, credit to him, you know, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, Andrew Mitchell was there at the same time as you, you know, now he's at Larne. Um there's, I think if my memory serves me right, um, Andy Little might have moved on by that stage, but I'm, assu- I'm assuming you maybe crossed paths with him at some point and Dean Shields came in. Um, yeah. what, was there any, for you, was it nice to have some lads from home around did, or did that even impact you at all, being a couple of lads from home, great, you know, whatever? Or was it nice to have sort of three or four lads around you from, from Northern Ireland? No, it was brilliant. Um, me and Andy Little were... You know, very close. Would have hung out quite a bit uh, with Andrew Mitchell as well, and obviously you had Josh Robinson over for a year, um, and then there was young Matty Clark, who's a Linfield. He was there, so, and then David Healy was there at the start with Davo. So like, Davo and Healy, you know, they would have looked after you as a young lad. Like they always would have had the crack. They wouldn't have walked past you at the, 
you know, in the canteen or whatever, and, and that said hello to you or whatever. And then it just kind of filtered on. You, you'd, uh, Andy, me, Andy, and Andrew Mitchell were quite close, obviously, because um, Andy was obviously playing more first team games than we were whenever we were in the reserves. But um, he would have bounced off us a lot. And then Dean Seals came in. So, look, it, it was like a home from home, really, to be honest. Um, obviously, Dean had his own family at the time, so you wouldn't have hung about with him and, as much after training or whatever. But the likes of Andy, there, you know, you would have been going to the cinema or out for food with him, you know. And it was great. It made it very, very easy. You know, Glasgow's just like home, to be fair, and you're only a 25 minute flight, so it's not, it's not that hard of a place to settle down in, to be honest. Yeah, hundred percent. You know. From that period of time, you know, then Andrew Mitchell, now at Lauren and stuff like that. Obviously, you two are friends. Is there a bit of a competitive friendship going on there, especially now with him at Lauren and you at Crusaders? Mitch is a very competitive lad anyhow, no matter whether he's playing Call of Duty, table tennis or whatever. So <laughs> he's, uh, He just wants to win all the time and, and it's great. And look, it's good to, to be battling out and obviously they're top of the league at the minute, but... You know, it's great to be battling around. It's great to see them I'm doing well, to be fair. Um, or like the times Mitch didn't get it as easy and stuff. So um, I think he's enjoying his football at Lauren there at the minute. And I hope, and I hope he does well, obviously. Uh, hopefully we can pip them. But um, yeah, I, hope he, I wish him all the best. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I echo those thoughts. I wish them all the best and I hope they finish second as Crusaders win the league, you know, from, from my perspective. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Back, back to your sort of time at Rangers. You know, you, you were there for four years in total, I believe. Um, you, what, what would be your sort of favourite memories from your time at Rangers? Um, favourite memories? I think uh, whenever Linfield came over, I got the captain's armband one night and we won 2-0, which was quite nice uh, just to have that picture, you know. But I think my all-time favourite me- Oh, and then actually, sorry, after I scored, I scored that night and the run over to... Kenny McDowell and Ali McCoyst and they're always winding me up saying uh, whenever you score you have to do your gangman style and I was trying for weeks and weeks and weeks and I was shooting from 30 all thinking like, I don't even know what I was doing shooting for 30 yards in the first place but I was just trying to score like mad uh, and next thing you know against Linfield I scored and there's a picture of me running over to Ali McCoyst and Kenny McDowell and them two doing gangman style with me and say the pitch. It was quite funny. But uh, I think my, my all-time favourite, just obviously scoring down to Copeland uh, Road End, was, it was just a nice, something that'll stick with me forever, to be honest. The roar, it was two minutes into the first home game this season and just lifted the roof off the place. I think it was a couple of days before my 21st birthday, so... It was just unbelievable feeling and not get it back. Either of those goals were the from 30 yards? No, back <laughs> post happened. <laughs> and that's about the height of it. Left foot was... <laughs> Strikers finished the back post. They're proud of it. Andy Waterworth. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, Linfield and Andy Waterworth, and you mentioned David Healy and stuff earlier, you came home and you signed for Linfield. Um, how did that move come about? Um, why Linfield at that time, and who else sort of was interested in you? Um, to be honest, I so I done well at Rangers that first season went down, and then I started the next year. Got myself from serious neck, real, real fit, ready to rock and roll. Scored my goal and dummy ankle, and was out for eight months. 
So it was a wee bit scundered and uh, Ali had pulled me in. He says, look, pal, we're trying to move on here and stuff and I want to terminate your contract or whatever, which is fair enough. He was straight down the line, man. I can't I have no regrets in that at all. So the first club that we're on was Linfield and to be honest, we jumped at it a wee bit, but I should have maybe took a wee bit more time about it. Um, but it, the thought process at the time was just go and... Uh, go and play every week and see where it happens, see if you can get back across the water. So obviously I went and played in Europe and all and was doing all right. You know, still naive. I was only I was 21, 22 and naive young lad coming back across the water and didn't re- fully realise, obviously I've watched the Irish League, but didn't realise how good a standard it was, to be honest. And, um just naive of the whole thing and got injured then. I was out for another eight months, so it was kind of a wee bit of a downward spiral. And I don't think, you know, the manager and was happy about it. And there was nothing I could do. I was frustrated um, myself trying to get back. And then it was breaking down again. I was osteopubis. It's just one of them niggly, niggly injuries and, and you can't really do much. You can't do much rehab for it or nothing. So it was kind of frustrating. It was a hard, obviously a hard period of time for you at Linfield. Um, was there ever any doubts at that period of time in your mind? You know, maybe I'm not cut out for this, or was it very much like I just need to be back fit when I'm back fit? I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I think from the osteopubis, because um, it's such a strange injury that there's a wee bit of doubt. But because I'd been injured for eight months beforehand, then came back for about four months and got fit again, and obviously played in Europe and stuff for Linfield, which is you know, nice. Your first time playing in Europe was class, and then um, getting injured again. Um, we, I, I remember my last game actually that season. We played against the Crews, and Dermy O'Carr out ran me into the channel, and I was playing. I was injured, and I was uh, you've seen milk turn quicker, honestly. And I just, I, I had to come off. It just says that that's it, and I couldn't play anymore. And that was me for eight months. And it was, look, it was frustrating and all, but I came back the next season and I was training like I would have played on Saturday. And I think that kind of rubbed up a few feathers the wrong way because I was just going 100 million hours, tackling people, firing into tackles and stuff. And just, just the way I was as a young lad, full-hearted. And next thing you know, I kicked uh, wee Paul Smith from the training session one day and I threw the head up a wee bit and says... I was just so frustrated and look at it is what it is young lad and what happened uh, Healy sent me off the training pitch and that was it you know when you look back at that there's obviously lessons to be learned there for, for you and, and for even Healy and, and his management career but when you look back at that is is there anything you would change in terms of how it's affected you now you know where you've came from since then uh, not at all Um uh, because I think um, looking back at it all from day one at Millwall, um, you know, you, the, the, the youth team manager had us doing jobs and stuff and he turned around to us one day and says, uh, you know, lads, some of the boys didn't do their job right or whatever, left cones out or whatever. And he says, you know, lads, this isn't about football doing these jobs. This is about life. So I think from him saying that and making you think about it and, and looking back at it now, it's all learning. It's all learning lessons. You know, if you don't learn from a mistake, then 
uh, what's the point, you know? So, look, I've no regrets in it. Um, I was a hundred percent there anyhow, and I don't, I don't regret um, that. And um, so it's all been good for me, you know. And, and even moving to Dungannon, it, it was a, I knew I needed to go and play games of football in the Irish League at the time. So, you know, it was all. It was all good. I, I don't regret any of it. Even you know, trying to find work and, uh, you know, coming into the real world of having to get a job and knuckle down nine to five and then go to training. Look, it's not easy. Obviously, coming from a full time background from whenever you're sixteen to twenty one, but um, it, it toughens you up a wee bit as a person. So. Yeah, 100%. And the difference, obviously, when you left Linfin, you went to Dungannon, and there's obviously a difference at the club. And what, what I even mean about that, and it's something that I kind of joke about a little bit, but in a serious term, you know, at Windsor, for us anyway, as fans, you're so far away from the pitch. But Dungannon, mm-hmm. it feels like we're standing on top of you. It's one of my favourite grounds, actually. I love going down there. Um, when you go to a team like Dungannon, you're working under Rodney Macquarie, who you knew already from, from your youth days. What's Rodney like? Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about his coaching and how good his coaching and stuff is. What's he like to work under? Um, well, Rod had just got the job in November and I think Dungannon were pretty... I think I remember he sitting 10th or 11th at the time. So that was that Christmas or that January, just after Rod had got the job in November. It was that January, so... I needed to go play games of football. I was training with the reserves at Linfield, so it says it was no brainer. Look, Dungan's my club, supported them from as a kid, and um, always wanted to play there. So, to be honest, it was a no brainer for me. It was easy for me because you were going wearing your heart in your sleeve, um, week in week out, and for and I, you know, had a good relationship with Rod. I could talk to Rod and stuff. So. For, and even as coaching, you know, you look at the level of coaching that got across the water. Rodney's right up there um, with his, his session, his drills. You know, you, you'd have walked into the, the, the Stang Moor and, you know, knocked the door and went into the manager's office. And there's Roddy sitting with his iPod, footing about with drills and everything was set up to tea. Um, his coaching was, was top notch. And, and training was very, very good and enjoyable. And that's something he preached because... Um, Dungan's obviously a smaller club, so he needed boys to enjoy themselves as well as you know go and perform on Saturday. And I think at that time you had uh, a few decent players who who just enjoyed playing for Dungan at the time and enjoyed Rodney's coaching. What was the expectation like around Dungannon in terms of playing football? You know, you talked about it being a smaller club, and you talked about it being. You know, Rodney was saying about the fun and the enjoyment of football, but what was the expectation like on a match day? Obviously, nobody goes out expecting to lose or wanting to lose, and everyone wants to win games of football. But how do you handle that expectation with a bit of reality in terms of the stature, perhaps, of a Dungannon trying to compete in the Irish League with various bigger clubs that are maybe throwing a bit more money around? Yeah, I think um, whenever I first went, you know, First and foremost was staying up. So we had the, I think we went in a wee bit of a run actually, and it was it was staying up. You know, we, Dungan had to stay in the Premier League and that was it. So we went in. Rod obviously didn't have long enough to put on his, you know, or get across the way style of football that Rod wanted to play. But we just had to go in and I think, um, bringing in a fresh face maybe at the time for the, the dressing room was good and 
I was hungry, very, very hungry, and just wanted to go and play. Um, so we just had to stay up. So the, I think the next year was where Rod got the, you know, put his coaching points across a wee bit more. And obviously you get a full pre-season under your belt. So he gave us targets from the start of the year where he wanted us to be. Many clean sheets he wanted us to keep. Um, many goals, a goal difference. He, he looked at everything and um, it was for just aiming for the top six. Um, we know that uh, we're not going to challenge with the likes of Linfields and the Crusaders. Um, they were the top two at the time, really. So we just had to, like, they were free games for us. It was basically go out, enjoy yourselves, because we didn't. There's no expectations on us to go and take anything. So it was a it was a free game for us. You know, we had to beat the teams that were in around us, and you know, try and push our way up above the Balaminas and the Glenavons. You know, that was who we looked towards, trying to creep up into, you know, whoever was maybe sitting fifth at the time, the likes of Korean or whatever. You know, we were trying to just creep in there and maybe get the, the European in the European place. But, you know, Rod put a lot of expectations on us and we looked at it halfway through the season. We talked about it and many clean sheets we kept and um, many points we dropped that we shouldn't have dropped and, and stuff. And there's a wee chart in the in the change room and all that, they, that he had. He ticked off or how many wins we got and all. So... It was, he was very switched on and he, he put pressure on us to do well. And I think, you know, with a squad of players that maybe, um, you know, had bad times at anywhere else they were and they came to Dungan and they were enjoying themselves. Like, you know, Ryan Harper, you had Davey Armstrong came from Linfield as well. And then you had a bit of youth and the likes of Doogie Wilson and Paul McElroy, who obviously... You know, look at the two of them, they're flying now at the minute. So we had a decent squad and you had Shannon Clucas as well. So there's a decent squad there and decent players. It's just, uh, it's, it's not never going to be easy for the likes of, of Dungan with the budget and stuff. But I think uh, there was a year we got in the European playoff place and you have to be you have to be happy with that. You know, as long as you don't want, like they said, you know, it's about staying up and staying in the Premier League. But it's trying to push up the league as high as you can and and just doing above your average, to be honest. Well, one of the major things I thought with Duncan Gannon, which I obviously must make you very, very proud, was the League Cup win. You beat Ballymena 3-1 in the final. You were unbelievable on the day. You know, the goals that you guys scored were were tremendous. How did that make you feel winning a trophy? Number one with Duncan Gannon. first major trophy in their history. How how was that for you as as, as a young man f- that supports Dungannon? Uh, well, I think you know we it was unbelievable. Don't get me, it was class, top notch. Um, you just felt it coming after we beat Crusaders. To be honest, there was that much of a buzz around the dressing room. You just felt Windsor Park. We can play football here. It's going to be big, open. Um, plenty of space for us to play football but I think we were knocking on the door of, of, of something because the year before Linfield beat us 1-0 in the semi-final the Irish Cup at Mournview and we were just knocking away you know we were we were getting close in the Cups you know we have, your expectations in the Cups is obviously you know you think you can nick something if you beat Doggett against Linfield in these Cups or Crusaders or whatever you know you, you have half a chance so we we uh, I think we were knocking on the door and obviously 
getting to the final and and beating Balamina and, and it was a very very decent Balamina side that um, and the style that we did it uh, on the day it was just it was class because I was there the Irish Cup final 2007 was it where Dungannon got beat by Linfield so it was just nice and it's luck we partied and enjoyed ourselves and I think the, the season kind of squandered out for us afters but it was it was just it was a class achievement to be fair yeah it really was and you, you talked about the way you played in the final and you played some absolutely beautiful stuff to be perfectly honest you know Paul McElroy's cross for the first goal was was exceptional you were getting the ball down wide and getting that full back so it was really really fun to watch you know as a neutral and it's not very often I, I watch games as a neutral and just put my feet up and relax and that was one of the games I watched when that was just good fun and it was brilliant to watch um Anyway, with Dungan, you left to join Crusaders. Um, how did that move come around and why Crusaders at that stage? Um, to be honest, it was something on my mind. Um, I was at Dungan for three and a half years and it was been on my mind for a while uh, just because I think after the, the League Cup, Dungan didn't bounce off it the way maybe should have, you know, should have pushed on a wee bit. And... Um, I just felt that I wanted to go. I, th- I felt I'd unfinished business, to be honest with you. Um, I wanted to go to a club in Belfast. Um, I always thought that Crusaders was a good match for myself because of my early days of actually, you know, at Millwall, um, because they're aggressive and the way they play, and um, possibly too the fact that Jordan, you, you know, you've been playing with Jordan Owens on Saturday and you won't be marking him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it just time was to look at it. I think I had a two and a half year deal left with Dungan at the time, and I went into Dungan and I says to them, Look, I tried to do it the best I could and, and leave in the best of terms, but I, I just figured, I just told them I felt like I had to go and do it, and it was something that I wanted to do before it was too late for me. So, um, obviously, speaking to Stevie and that, it made it easy for me and everything. Just the way the the club was going with the new facilities and stuff, and the part three quarters full time, and um, everything about the club, you know, they can't, they can't do enough for you. So I think it was just the right move at the right time for me. Well, you you went there. Jarth O'Rourke was there, or went there as well. Paul McElroy was there. Was it nice to see some familiar faces whenever you go into a new changing room? I think it is nice. Yeah, I think my mindset at the time was though. It, like I, I think I was the first to sign, so it was just I want to go do this, you know. Want to go up to Belfast, sign for Crusaders, and then you've got Paul McElroy and Charlie O'Rourke tagging on with you. Mm. <laughs> but it's nice, you know, because I've got that week yard school, and uh, I know him very, very well. So look, it, make, it makes it a lot easier. You've 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 friends in the dressing room straight away, and. I think your first six months to a year, you know, you're trying to create friendships in the dressing room as well. So it obviously made it a lot easier, you know. You mentioned, you know, talking to Stevie and, and then what was one of the reasons why you made that move. Um, how is Stephen Baxter? What's it like working under him? And uh, maybe what similarities or differences does he have compared to other managers that you've worked under? Um, I'd say is a winning mentality. His mentality to win, win games of football is second and under he, he just loves winning and that's it and no matter what or how he, he gives us information and 
Thursday and a Saturday and, and details it all down for us. But, um, you know, he, he just wants to win games of football and that's just his mentality of, you know, obviously being at Rangers as well, that winning mentality, no matter what, you have to win games of football. Sometimes it might be ugly. It is what it is. It's, at the end of the day, it's about three points at the end of the day. So, yep, but Steve, obviously had a wee bit of a tough time last season with, I think I picked up three or four niggly injuries and again, just, you know, trying too hard. And me and Stevie had the conversation at the start of the year. And, about it, and it's been very, very good from then. So, look, he's been brilliant with me, and um, from day one, so I have no complaints at all. In terms of the injuries, you know, you said you picked up a couple of niggly injuries. How does that affect your mindset or your confidence when you pick up these injuries, and then maybe you miss a couple of games, and then you're trying to come back? Or does it affect your mindset or your confidence? No, for me it does anyhow because I, I, I came up. Um, because I wanted to do well. Um, I went away on holiday with my missus, the Tenerife, the, the pre-season before I came to the club and I was out training every morning. You know, I just wanted to do well and I probably came back too fit and, and lighter than I've ever been. And um, I think that actually affected me through throughout last season. That's why I was picking up injuries because it didn't really take much of a break. And then whenever you get injured, I just go in that mindset where I'm trying nearly too hard. You know, everything's coming. You're you're nearly messing up because you've your head's not in it because you just want to do well. And um, I think the the restart for me, obviously, this the bit of a break helped. Obviously, you're in your second year off the club as well. You know, it's it's a lot easier. Um, your second year because you're not the new guy anymore. You know, so. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that first season as well, you know, Crusaders drew Wolves in the Europa League. How enjoyable was was that tie and the whole experience that went around with the Wolves games? Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, just from just everything about it, um, we knew whenever we played over at um, in the Faroe Islands that if we won this game, we were going to Monu, and it was just from. Whenever we won that, the atmosphere around the club was unbelievable. And then going there, training on the pitch the night before, uh, the reception you got and the respect that, that Wolves give us and they treated us as if they were probably playing Arsenal on Saturday. Do you know what I mean? The, the respect they give us. And it, it was just unbelievable. And the dude and shared with the, the lads is unreal. Um, it was quality, quality moment, you know, or two games of football. And they, they, their memories, you know, you'll never take away like which is is nice to have yeah 100 and you almost went it was almost like a full circle journey for you you know you, you start out in dungannon and you ended up back at dungannon winning silverware at the top level that dungannon has to offer you went to millwall and you played as a kid and then you moved up the rangers and then you went back to england and you played not just competitively but you played a european competitive game in england as well so there's those little instances of going full circle in your career which i think is really really impressive and really really unique um, in terms of your career so far, how, how happy are you so far in your career and um, how driven are you to succeed in, in continuing with your career? Yeah, look, um, football swings and roundabouts. You don't win everything. Uh, there's a lot, of, lot, lot more highs and lows in it than P 
people realize, you know, it's just not all about turning up on a Saturday and going and join yourself. There's a lot more to it, and I'm very happy with it. My aim is to go and win silverware, more silverware before, um, you know, God knows how long I have left, but uh, that's my drive at the minute. Um, and to be honest, we're sitting in a nice wee spot with the league, and I'm enjoying myself. It's been very, very good this this year. Obviously, a couple of wee bad results here, but I think as a group and ourselves, we're we're driven to go and win something, and that's what I want to do. I want to win something before um, I hang the boots up, whether it's a Irish Cup or a Gibson Cup. That's the, that's the goal anyhow, and that's where the mindset is. So, uh, whatever it takes, hopefully, that's what'll happen. Well, I think it's important to have an alignment of mindsets with, with players at the club and the, as the club's all looking at the same direction. And you're obviously forming a partnership with Aidan Wilson, um, also who had times at Rangers. And when he was talking, he said he can see similarities in your game to his from the coaching style of Rangers. Um, you talked about, you know, you want to go and win something. That's I, what I believe the club wants. That's what you talked about, Stephen Baxter's winning mentality. Sean O'Neill, the goalkeeper, has pretty much done it all in terms of the Irish League. You've Billy Joe Burns there um, oh. as well. How how is that partnership coming along as a back four with with Sean and Nets and maybe your partnership with Aidan Wilson as well? Um, I think you know from even from last year, you look at we never had a settled back four. You a lot of competition with um, Art Beverland and Colin Coates and Kyle Owens and Billy Joe coming in the centre half at times and stuff. So. I think this year it's been more settled, you know, and um, obviously Billy's had a tough time with the red card and then um, being out ill and stuff. So me, it's given me and Aidan an opportunity to work together. And there is a, there's a good partnership there. You know, I, I totally uh, agree with what he's saying. You know, it's it's been easy actually um, to play with him because we're kind of both in the same uh, mindset on a Saturday and one goes in and we took around and um he's 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 obviously young he's only he's I think he's turning twenty two now on the second of January so he's been great to be honest he's breath fresh air and I think to be honest he's a he's a big future ahead of him and whenever you have the likes of Billy Joe uh Sean O'Neill you know, playing in, in with you, and then you've Wee Jarley who's been playing left back in the minute. And look, there's still competition for places in the back four, but um, I think um, the way we've been playing in the past couple of games, that you can see that there's there's something building there um, in a back four. And you know, I think Aiden will have a big part to do with that over the next while if if he wants to stay in this country. To be honest, I think he's got all attributes to uh, maybe go back across the pond again, to be honest with you, because he's big, strong, athletic, um, can play football, has a, a decent knowledge. And if he wants to, to learn more, and uh, I think, you know, he's young enough and he can he can go and do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And I'm hoping that there's a lot of success to come with the pair off yet centre-back, you know, for us anyway, before perhaps he does go back across. But just to, just to wrap up the podcast, and I've really enjoyed this, is there's some fan-submitted questions that I've got from my various WhatsApp groups and some of the guys that I know that follow Crusaders. And the first one I have to ask you is, do you have a favourite ground 
to play at? And if so, what is it? Uh, probably staying more, to be fair. As you said, as a supporter and for me as a player, it's nice to take ground. Um, as a centre half, the pitch is small. You don't have to run that far. <laughs> so I do enjoy playing there. And it's, you get a bit of stick from the side and it's very close and you get to give a wee bit of stick back without uh, having to shout too loud. So no, I, I enjoy playing as thing more, to be honest. Another one is, and I, this was submitted for Aiden as well, who has the worst shot amongst the Crusaders team at practice? The worst shot? Oh, without putting myself up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Gary Thompson with a country mate. <laughs> Doesn't like doing shooting practice, sits out. <laughs> um, what about the best first touch? Ooh, best first touch of the club. Um, I would say probably Jordy Forsyth, I would say. He's got a very, very good first. No, big Jordy's. To be fair, Jordy's decent. Big Adam Lecky for being six foot ten. His <laughs> match, to be honest. Amazing how good or good his feet are. Another question here. Um, what about social media? For example, when Crusaders win or lose a game, and um, different fans are commenting and stuff like that. How much does that play into a player's head? Do they are they checking social media? Does it affect them? Does it affect maybe your mentality at all? Eh, not really. No. Um, I see. To be honest, I try and stay. I don't try and be on it as much. You know, I don't like this. Whenever you win a game and posting up pictures, and then whenever you lose, you're not doing nothing, or else you're posting about your dog or something. Do you know, I'm, I'm not really into reading too much the social media thing um, to be honest with you because um, I learned a lot from whenever readers if you read in that you can you know it only messes yourself so I'm not really a big uh, fan of you know reading into too much and then I think like that you mentioned earlier you know when you signed for Crusaders that you know you're playing with Jordan Owens and not against them so it leads me to this next question that was submitted online to me was do you have a player that you hate playing against the most? And if so, who is it? Um, to be fair, last season I had a terrible time against uh, Owen Bradley and I, I think a lot of people agree with that. So it, last year, that, that was the first time I ever went to myself, Jesus, he's got the better of me. You know, there's no one, there's no one I dislike playing against, to be honest. Um, apart from, last year he probably had the better of me so I think uh, that 1-0 win there a lot of months back was kind of monkey off my back to be honest with you mm-hmm. two more questions for you do you have any funny or memorable team talks that you can share that perhaps a manager has given oh I, I, to be honest I wouldn't uh, disclose anything and at <laughs> <laughs> my place I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not getting a fine for disclosing anything that happens in those walls. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You mentioned table tennis earlier with Andy Mitchell, and um, who's the best table tennis player at the club? Who's the reigning champion, if there is a champion? Oh, there's a few boys that like to put their n- names up for that. Um, reigning champion. I think Reese McGinley's actually the reigning champion. He, he doesn't play much, but I think the last time we had a table tennis 
Paramount, Reese beat David Kuchley in the final. So there's a few a few boys think they're all right at it now. Um, a few boys think they're better than what they are. Um, ben Kennedy thinks he's a bit of a dark at it now, but a few boys disagree with that, Nick, so... Well, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on the show and wish you all the best for the upcoming games obviously as a Crusaders fan it's something I want to say I want to see us do well I want to see us win trophies I can see that within your mentality your mindset that's where you want to be and that's where you want to go so I'm excited to see what happens at Crusaders for the rest of this season and what goes on in the next couple of years but from me to you I just want to personally thank you for coming on the show I hope you enjoyed it I hope we covered I wouldn't say your career in detail, but hopefully we we covered some of the major points and that the fans or anyone who listens to this podcast really does enjoy it. So from me, I just want to wish you a very happy new year and thank you so much for coming on the show. Not a problem, Darren. Thank you very much, sir. And let's hope that there will be a wee bit of silverware somewhere. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the podcast. Also feel free to share and get the word out so Chris's journey and story and career so far can be heard. On Facebook, search The Podcast, look for the group, click the button to join. I would love to see you there. I'm looking for some feedback. I'm going to be running some competitions, all that sort of stuff. It'll all be on Facebook. Thanks very much. Stay safe and hopefully you tune in next time.